Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Asia Soaring with APJ Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you, you are absolutely in the right place. I almost have tears in my eyes. We are launching a brand new series here. I'm here on the East Coast of the U.S. at 8.03 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and my special panel are all in Singapore, and somebody tells me it's about 9.03 in the morning, so this is the first time we've done a cross-time zone show. This is Asia Soaring with APA Game Changers Radio about our 35th series under the Game Changers banner. If you're listening in Asia, hope you will become a big fan and listen. We're all about people who are smart, talking and sharing their knowledge around the table. That's all we're planning to do. So let me start off with an opening quote that will give you a clue about what we're going to be speaking about tonight. Then I'll introduce my esteemed panel. So we found a quote from a young man named Jeremy Coward. He is a IoT World Series social lead in digital marketing. He's a community manager and uh, he's a co-creator of all kinds of things. Look him up if you want to. So here's the quote. The Internet of Things may be mostly nascent, that means young, in Asia Pacific, but the growth potential is meteoric for Asia IoT. Now there are a couple of buzzwords in there. Number one, the Internet of Things, that's what we're going to be talking about. Asia Pacific, obviously, because of the name of the series, and Asia IoT. So that's our theme today. Let me give you a little more background. With 8.6 billion things connected on the Internet of Things and a $583 billion, that's U.S. dollars, market opportunity projected for 2020 by IDC, that's about a year and a half away, businesses around the world are scrambling to cash in with lots of applications. Come on, you've heard of connected cars, smart energy management, connected healthcare, maybe you are swallowing a smart pill or you have some kind of a Fitbit device, predictive maintenance, and even home automation. So on this debut of our newest series, you can tell how excited I am. We're going to talk about the impact of, in particular, Internet of Things technology in APJ. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Delighted to be here. Let me tell you who my three panelists are. I'll just tell you their names, their titles, and their companies, and then we'll get started because they've each sent me a really interesting opening quote that's inspirational, and they're going to relate it to the topic. So in just a moment, with pleasure, I will introduce you to Matt Chan. He is a lead for SAP Leonardo, IoT go-to-market in APJ. And joining him on the panel is Gaurav Goel, Technology Strategy Director at Deloitte Southeast Asia. We're thrilled to have you, Gaurav. And a shout-out to Carla Neal at Deloitte in Canada, who brings us wonderful panelists all year long for many of our Game Changer series. And rounding out the panel is Ash Pujari, General Manager of Digital Supply Chain and IoT Business in APJ4 SAP. So now you know they have great credentials, so let's get started. Matt Chan has sent me a quote from the 1994 film Forrest Gump. It was based on the novel by Winston Groom, written in 1986, and it starred Tom Hanks, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise, Mc- Kelty Williamson, and Sally Field. And if you don't know the story, just look it up. Here's the quote. 
Uh, come on, you're all going to recognize this. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Matt Chan, what a great opener to this new series, a quote from Forrest Gump. How are you, Matt? I'm good. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, good morning and good evening, everyone. So I think um, this quote is the movie I saw in 1994. And when I saw this movie, it really touched my heart because uh, I never know what life is going to give me. So every day and uh, some new experience or bad, bad experience uh, is something I really don't know. So I would really like to uh, face it and uh, get the experience from them. And most important things I think is how to um, get a positive attitude and uh, how to have a strong belief and uh, willing to learn and deal with it. So as I remember 13 years ago, I lived in China mm-hmm. and during that time I visited hundreds of factories. And you know what, the, the, the factory worker during that time, their salary is like a hundred bucks per month. And mm. um, most of the workers, they come from very far away from the countryside in China and they take uh, around four days to go to the factories. And they, during that time, uh, even the salary is lower, but the attitude from them is, I would say, they still work very hard and have a strong belief. Uh, once they work hard, they can achieve their, their dream come true. So I would say, for me, I learned a lot in this kind of experience uh, during my, um, I mean, the, the work experience in China and lots of uh, factories uh, seen, say, everyone, I, I think, we need to have a strong belief and we need to be humble and learn and deal with what we have. So I think this is the, the quote I, I learned a lot from, uh, from this movie, from Forrest Gump. And, uh, and I really want to taste the next chocolate I have. Uh, I always do. I I love the quote, Matt. I'm I don't know if you have this term in Asia, but I'm what's called a chocoholic. You put a box of chocolates in front of me and I just can't have just one. And, you know, despite the pretty pictures they put on the inside of the box sometimes and you're supposed to like follow the dots in the third row. The fourth one with the little orange flower on top is going to be this type. (laughs) I, I just pick one and I say, I like it. I don't like it. Or, wow, I want more of that. So I really appreciate great inspiration from you. Thank you very much. You know, you have the honor of being the opening speaker on this brand new series. I hope you realize it's a big responsibility, Matt. You, you, did, a, you did a great job. Thank you so much for the thoughtfulness. And now we're going to turn to Gaurav Goel from Deloitte, Southeast Asia. And Gaurav has sent us a very interesting quote, equally provocative and inspirational, from Walt Disney, Walter Elias Disney, 1901 to 1966, American entrepreneur, animator, voice actor, and film producer, and he developed the character Mickey Mouse in 1928. He also provided the voice in the early years, and he was just a kid who took a lot of art classes and started doing commercial illustrating at age 18, moved to California, and he started the Disney Disney Brothers Studio with his brother Roy, and the rest is history. So here's the quote Gaurav has selected from the great quotables from Disney. Quote, I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a mouse. Guarav, I can't keep a straight face reading that quote because, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Welcome. How are you, Guarav? 
I'm good. Uh, good morning. Thanks a lot for having me on this show. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank um, you. It's our pleasure. Talk to me about the quote. How does this relate to Asia soaring, IoT, Internet of Things? We use different types of mouse, mouse today, you know, the one on the desk. But talk to me. Go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so basically, uh, Walt Disney has always been my role model, uh, though obviously I followed him more after the movie called Walt Before the Mickey. And that's why I started following him much deeper. And I came across this quote. And this quote to me is more about understanding that most dreams have a humble beginning. Uh, magic always begin, begin with the small, uh, small, uh, small steps. So uh, the idea here is uh, people should be patient uh, for big things to come to them. And I believe it's a universal truth for any dream to come alive. Um, that's where I believe for Walt Disney, it, was, it started with mouse. Uh, for mm-hmm. other people, it would start with their own passion in a small way. And we should never lose sight of that thing. Thank you very much. I, I like the fact that you interjected the word passion, Gora. Very important to any conversation about new technology. And I don't know if you and the other panelists know, but one of our many Game Changers series is called Startup Focus with Game Changers, where I speak with, in the same roundtable fashion I'm speaking with the three of you, speak with many times they're serial entrepreneurs. And the one ingredient you can imagine is that they're all passionate about something. Of course, for our purposes, they're all somehow in the technology space, but that passion comes through. Many of them have been successful over and over and over again. So thank you, and I, I just love the idea that it all started with a mouse. Thank you. Great quote, Gaurav, and welcome. We're delighted to have you. And now waiting patiently in the wings is Ash Pujari from General Manager of Digital Supply Chain and IoT Business in APJ for SAP. And Ash has sent us a quote, a very serious one, from a gentleman named Fareed Rafiq Zakaria, born in 1960. That makes him a young man as far as I'm concerned, Ash. He's an American journalist and author. I watch him on CNN on Sunday mornings here in the States. His his TV show is called uh, Fareed Zakaria GPS. It's Global Public Square. He writes a weekly column for the Washington Post. He's been a columnist for Newsweek. And I don't know if you know this, but there is a little trivia here, Ash. Fareed once was a wine columnist for the web magazine Slate, which is also, I believe, published by the Washington Post. So here's the quote. Everybody listen up. This is a long one. The Berlin Wall wasn't the only barrier to the fall, to fall after the collapse of the Soviet Union and the end of the Cold War. Traditional barriers to the flow of money, trade, people and ideas also fell. Ash, talk to me. How are we relating this to our topic in APJ today? Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Bonnie. Thanks for having me here. Honestly, um, I picked up this quote because of my frustrations of 27 odd years of supply chain experience where I've been trying to fight breaking silos. And yes, uh, Bonnie, my quote is much more serious than what my fellow uh, fellow panelists chose. Um, You know what? Um, Ever since the, the fall of the Berlin Wall 1989, you know, we have been talking about this breaking off silos, breaking off, uh, uh, you know, walls and let the money trade and information flow. But it's only now that we are seeing um, a lot of adoption, especially spearheaded by Asia. And that's mm-hmm. the reason I think, let me just relate this whole quote back to Asia. And that's yes. the theme today, IoT and Asia, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the world today, Bonnie, um, you know, the world is changing, right? The consumer goods companies today are 
trying to be direct to consumer. They want to get as close to as possible to being a retailer. And that's the reason why these e-commerce websites, etc., springing up, they want to know what a consumer is all about. And then the retailers, for instance, um, uh, the retailers are becoming more and more like logistics players. They are trying to differentiate themselves uh, trying to, with their logistics. You look at the Alibabas of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, what are they doing? The Amazons, Alibaba, they are setting up warehouses, large warehouses. They are buying planes. They are setting up drones, right? I mean, that, they are differentiating again through their ability to uh, deliver. Uh, to ability to respond to the consumer fast. And what are the logistics companies doing? The logistics companies are seeing uh, a big change too. Look at UPS. They want to be a manufacturer. They are setting up 3D printers. They want to get as close as possible to the manufacturer and trying to uh, manufacture closer to the demand. And what's happening to the manufacturers now? The manufacturers, for instance, are becoming service companies. A tire company says, I will not sell tires anymore. What will I do? I'll sell time. A Mm -hmm. car company says I'll sell mobility, right? Now, what's one thing common in all of this? And that's the theme that's favorite and that's closest to my heart is supply chain. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what? Uh, This whole industrial internet of things is making all this possible, breaking these walls, breaking the silos of a procurement supply chain, uh, a manufacturing supply chain, a distribution supply chain, a last mile supply chain all of that broken through data, broken through visibility. And that's where the whole power lies. And that's, that's exactly what I want to talk about. Thank you, Ash. Very, very, it was inspiring. It wasn't light and fluffy like some of the other quotes, but I liked it as well. And I'm glad you, you brought up the, the inspiration, the passion in Asia. Uh, at this point in the show, I usually ask my guests, where are you and what are you drinking? What was your favorite beverage? But because this is the opening show, first of all, I'm going to do a shout out to Gulab Singh in Singapore, SAP, who is the sponsor of this series. It was his idea. He came to me and said, hey, we're looking to get some thought leaders going out in Asia, would you help us? And I said, not only will I help you, I'll produce and host the show for you. And he said, okay, let's do it then. So that happened a couple months ago. That's why I'm so excited to have this. Dev Das also works with Gulab in, in Singapore. But what I'd like to do before we get to where you are and what you're drinking is I'd like to go around the table and ask you, help me define the series title, Asia Soaring with APJ Game Changer. So why don't you each take 60 seconds, 90 seconds, tops, not a big deal, and just tell me what it means to you, the concept of Asia Soaring, how is it soaring, and who are the game changers? So Matt Chan, I'm going to pick on you first, and then we'll go around the table. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, for Asia Game Changer, I would say um, um, manufacturing and uh, the industry for that all will be the game changers in Asia. Yeah, because uh, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the um, 10 to 20 years ago, um, Asia is like a uh, war factories and uh, there are lots of labor, lo- lots of uh, uh, cheaper uh, labor costs in Asia. Then it dis- disappeared. Uh, so it won't be the labor, uh, cheaper uh, labor costs in Asia. Mm-hmm. And um, in the other hand is how to leverage IoT industry for the zero uh, to help the factories have more efficiency and uh, get more effective uh, manufacturing process in Asia. And as 
as she as she mentioned, the market in Asia is so big, and we need to close to the customer. So local manufacturing should be the the, the train in Asia, and industry for that zero and the small factories will also be the train to help those manufacturers to grow their business and grow the fashion process in Asia. Thank you, Matt. Good start to my question. Let's go around the table, Gaurav Goel at Deloitte. What do you think? Who are these game changers, and is Asia soaring yet? Is it a process? Have they taken off? Talk to me. Sure. Um, for me, Asia is, uh, for all of us, Asia is very diverse. Uh, Asia, on one hand, is young. On the other hand, is old. Asia, on one hand, is developing. Asia, on the other hand, is developed. So I think Asia is a very complex place, and we cannot say there's only one game changer or two game changers. Uh, but if I have to pick my bets on the game changers in IoT area, I think on one hand the mega cities are coming up. Uh, that's where uh, where it's a huge population. We are like 10 million people, 11 million people in the same city, and for those cities to be uh, be developed further, I think IoT is required. So if you know in India, uh, the government initiated a plan of around 100 smart cities. So I think that's where one of the major investments in IoTs is coming in. Uh, in the smart cities area in Asia. I think that's one of the game changers. The other one that we, uh, that I personally feel is manufacturing, as I agree with Matt and Ashish, uh, because Asia is a manufacturing hub, and that's where there's a lot of opportunities to actually save costs through predictive maintenance, through supply chain, tracking trace, and visibility. And that's where I think that's another game changer. But I think we should not lose sight on two things, uh, which I think is one of the most important ones, which is around... Uh, agriculture. Asia is also a big agriculture hub, right? And we are facing the problem of world uh, food problem, world water problem in the climate change. And IoT can, can play an important role in that space. So I think it's still, it's still at an early stage in Asia. That's what I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is going to soar for sure. Thank you. Great answer as well. Ash Pujari, talk to me. What do you see in terms of the question of Asia soaring now before future? Are we there yet? Is it off the ground? And a little bit of history, if you want. Give me about a 90-second overview of your point of view on this, please. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, my view um, of Asia has been that Asia has always played catch-up to the, West, the Western world right in the mm. past. And uh, it wasn't uh, because of infrastructure. It wasn't because of talent. It was mainly because of a mindset. However, what's happened? Uh, once the shift of the whole contract manufacturing, etc., moved to the East in the 80s, uh, the mindset has changed. And I agree with God. You c- cannot draw a line across Asia. Innovation across Asia, which which is what is spurring this whole Asia soaring, um, cannot be, uh, you know, it's not uniform across Asia. Let's take Japan and Korea, for instance. Japan and Korea are hell-bent on adopting Industry 4.0 to be cutting edge in their manufacturing. They want to be the manufacturing kings. They want to challenge everyone else uh, in terms of better production, better, uh, you know, quality of uh, products, and extremely well-managed throughput through their uh, assets. Very different in the rest of the world, the uh, rest of the Asia uh, areas, uh, wherein you know, e-commerce is driving a huge change in innovation uh, when it comes to actual consumer demand satisfaction, looking at logistics innovation. And then there are these 
um, these old areas of, um, uh, you know, these old uh, commodity type companies like mining, for instance, who are looking at asset management innovation in a, in a completely different way. And this, I'm, I'm completely pointing my fingers to uh, companies in Australia, for instance, mining companies, mm-hmm. resources companies, who are looking at innovation through Internet of Things to improve their asset utilization. So when you bring up this question, is Asia soaring? Is it ready? Is it, uh, you know, uh, on the initial blocks? I would say it's um, all of these uh, in various stages. However, the mindset of every Asian today is, how do I leapfrog my Western counterparts by adopting technology and innovation? Thank you. I'm so impressed with the panel. I'm, I'm thrilled to have the three of you on. And now let's get a little personal with the three of you, Matt Chan. I'd love to know where exactly are you? I know you're somewhere in Asia, and I know I'm in somewhere in the U.S., and we'll talk about that in a minute. Where are you, and what's your favorite drink that makes you happy and energizes you to start the day by being on a live radio show? Matt Chan, go ahead. Yep. Uh, I'm now in Japan, and uh, I'm now drinking uh, Brazil. Uh, Ipanema, the handmade coffee. Oh, Ipanema. Uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think um, because the the reason I choose the handmade is uh, different from the machine made coffee. But I'm thinking in the future maybe we will have the robot made uh, coffee. <laughs> I, a similar taste like handmade. <laughs> I love it. I'm looking up here. Uh, I found a website. You, you three don't know me, but I look up almost everything that piques my curiosity. Here's an Ipanema Espresso Brazilian Specialty Coffee from Seed to Cup. Uh, here's an uh, Ipanema Coffee in Richmond, Virginia. Here's one called Ipanema Agricola. It's the Brazil Specialty Coffee Association. Am I hitting any of these the right one here, Matt? Yep, that's right. <laughs> Okay, good. Thank you very much. Actually, Ipanema Coffee Specialty Coffee Exports surpass 1.9 million bags. How about that? They have it. Here we go. Unique and high-quality products are a success in international chains such as Lawson in Japan that offers Ipanema coffees in their 12,000 stores. 12,000 stores? Are you kidding me? In the U.S., the special edition Ipanema Reserve Brazilian has been launched by the American chain Circle K in more than 7,000 stores throughout the U.S. I am very impressed. Thank you, Matt. I don't want to challenge the other panelists to come up with drinks quite that special, but why not? So, <laughs> Guarav Goel, are you up to the challenge? Where, where are you today, Guarav, and what do you love to drink the best? Um, I'm in Singapore, and it's early morning. It varies around 8.30. Uh, a.m. in the morning, and I have nothing in fancy of what um, Matt has said. Uh, I would just tell what I uh, regularly drink, and it's honey, honey lemon ginger, um, to get me extra zinc early in the morning, um, and that, that gives me the real energy uh, to start my day. Uh, why? I, I, what I like about that is it's all different flavors. Like you have zinc in the ginger, you have honey, you have lemon. All the flavors actually come. Uh, come together to give you a unique blend, which is even far better than the original flavors. And I think it relates quite well today for today's shows. It's, it's not just the IoT technology, which is a data enabler. It's also the other technologies on top of it, which is analytics, which is blockchain, which can come all together to actually uh, bring the right flavor, the unique flavor, which is required. 
Thank you. Now, is that tea you're drinking? Is that honey, lemon, ginger tea, Gaurav? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I looked it up, and they it's on thespruce.com, and they have a recipe for honey, lemon, ginger tea. It's a cold and flu relief, so it does have medicinal properties. Medicinal they say... Pour one cup Absolutely. boiling water over the ginger. Here's the, the way to make it really, really from scratch. Pour one cup boiling water over the ginger and let it steep. That means sit for three minutes. Put the lemon juice and the honey in a large mug. Strain the ginger tea into the mug. Stir to dissolve the honey. Taste and add more honey or lemon juice if you like. Is that a good recipe, Gaurav? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good recipe. I think this is how uh, typically it is made. And I think you should try it if you have never tried it. Uh, it will give you a blast of flavors. I like a blast of favor, and I have another place here. The Veg, V-E-G, Kitchen.com says you can serve it hot or cold, and it will revitalize you. I love that. Thank you very much, Gaurav. Very provocative as well. Ash, I don't know how you're going to top these, but I think you can. So, Ash, where are you today, and what do you love to drink? Well, just like uh, Gaurav, I am in Singapore. That's home for me. Um, enjoying the 32 degrees centigrade um, weather here. Uh, let me convert it to Fahrenheit. It's 90 degrees Fahrenheit um, oh. uh, with humidity at 69%. <laughs> so and this, is, this is normal life for us in Singapore, and we love it. Yeah? Um, and, and, you know, I like to start my day with a, uh, with a Japanese green tea. Uh, and I'm really, uh, Gaurav and Matt, I'm not here to give you competition. Um, uh, it's 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 a fact that I start my uh, day with a Japanese green tea called Sencha. Uh, this, is, uh, this is honestly a commonest variety of Japanese tea. And hmm. if you go to someone's house in Japan, um, you will be able to taste that because that's the default that they would serve. Um, uh, typically, I, and again, I did the research I, 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 before the call, honestly, Bonnie, um, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, you know, uh, I did not know the real meaning of sencha. I used to just consume it, right? I mean, it's, uh, it is uh, uh, translated, it's called roasted tea. Um, uh, I have it. Day. Yes, I have it here. Go ahead. <laughs> it sets my tone for an amazing day, typically, and I don't know why. Uh, honestly, I, um, uh, I don't think too much um, early in the morning. I basically go with a default that's proven, that's tested, and that's Sencha tea for me. Thank you very much. I have a couple of comments here. You know I'm going to. Uh, you know me well enough by now, Ash. I did the conversion while you were giving me the temperature. I had it already. I'm that fast. 32 Celsius is 89.6 degrees Fahrenheit, so it is hot over there. Oh, my, 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 my. Very, very interesting. And, uh, yes, Sencha Tea, I found a website here. I found it on Wikipedia, S-E-N-C-H-A. Is that correct? That's Sencha? correct. Okay. It's a type of Japanese ryokut. Cha. I can't read the Japanese, but it's green tea prepared by infusing the processed whole tea leaves in hot water, opposed to matcha, which is powdered Japanese green tea, where the powder is mixed with hot water. Very, very interesting. And, of course, there are many health benefits to green tea, and we will leave those to the imagination. Thank you, gentlemen. This is uh, I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm very intrigued. And you know what? I'll tell you what I'm drinking. This is you're the end of my day. I started, let's see, I started at uh, 11 o'clock this morning here, Eastern. 
Eastern with our flagship series. The show is called Coffee Break with Game Changers. Aha, 11 a.m. Eastern time, and you are capping me off here with an 8 to 9 p.m. show, and I'm very happy to book in my day with live radio and especially with the three of you. But they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and I think you know why. So all they let me have is water. It's not very interesting, but I have it in a cool, clear mug, and I have a yellow straw because we started off the day here in Durham, North Carolina, and you're thinking, okay, North Carolina, that's south. Well, think again. It may be, but the temperature was about 33 this morning, and we had a couple of inches of snow. It rained. The snow is gone, but it's really, really cold here. So that's so much, so much. I really need a cup of hot tea when this is over. So if you're just joining us, we are having a good time. Great conversation. Thrilled to be here presenting our newest series under the Game Changers Radio banner presented by SAP. This is Asia Soaring with APJ Game Changers. And my debut show panelists are Matt Chan at SAP, Gaurav Goel at Deloitte Southeast Asia, and Ashish, we're calling him Ash Pujari at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. And a shout-out to A-Rod at World Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com Business Channel, who is our intrepid engineer for the show. And I really appreciate your being on board with us, A-Rod. So here's what I'm going to tell you I say on all the shows. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be back in 90 seconds, and Matt Chan is going to start the roundtable with me. So A-Rod out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We've come a long way on the highway of digital business transformation. Most businesses have shifted from the mental framework where the digital journey was a nice to have to accepting it as a must have. As technology advances, people, businesses, and things are increasingly getting interconnected. This is leading to the emergence of more disruptive new technologies, changing existing business models at a furious pace. Tune in as our experts analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change in Asia. Asia Soaring with APJ Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Asia Soaring with APJ Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Asia Soaring with APJ Game Changers. 
Yes, indeed. And we're back. Second half of our debut of this brand new series, Asia Soaring with APJ Game Changers. We've already tried to define it. We've got some interesting points of view from my panelists. We're speaking today with Matt Chan at SAP, Ashish Pujari, Ash Pujari at SAP, and Gaurav Goel at Deloitte Southeast Asia. As I clear my throat, here we go. Matt Chan is going to start the roundtable, and let me read a little from one of the statements he sent me before the show. Then Matt will chat about this for about two minutes, and then we'll see what the other panelists have to add. So Matt says, industry boundaries are blurred. From the Fortune 500, 88% of those companies have dropped from the index between 1955 and 2015, including Kodak. I used to have stock in that. Nokia, I used to work for them. A Motorola, not so much. He said in the past two years, it changed even faster. Matt Chan, give us a perspective, please. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. I think uh, it's regard to industry boundaries uh, are blurred, right? So, I would say, uh, like uh, Bonnie mentioned, um, there are lots of uh, company disappear from the index uh, for the past uh, couple of years. And uh, um, before we see lots of uh, competitors coming from the same industry, but right now there are lots of uh, new incomers or competitors coming from different areas, different industries. And uh, uh, we never seen this kind of business model before. So like Uber, uh, Airbnb, Tesla, they are the new competitors uh, from different industries. And like Google, Google, everybody thinks Google is a high-tech company, but right now they have the autonomous uh, vehicle and uh, uh, like uh, UPS, they are the logistic company, and now they mm-hmm. have the uh, spare parts, like a spare parts manufacturing, uh, have uh, 3D printers in California. So I would say if you look at this kind of train, um, there are lots of uh, different competition coming from different industries. And some of our, uh, uh, I mean, my friend working automotive OEM company, um, they say they're trying to walk into insurance company. Well, that's very uh, special because uh, nobody think about automotive OEM company like a Toyota. They can have the insurance company. And uh, the reason he told me is... Um, now they build the car, they put all the sensors, they can get all the vehicle data back and mm-hmm. to analyze the driver behavior and provide a better and the usage best insurance package to the driver. So they asked me if this kind of a case, they give me the discount of the, the insurance, do I want to buy? And I say, of course, I, I want to buy because it's cheaper and I'm the, the good driver, right? So I would mm-hmm. say this kind of a new business model uh, I was, uh, it's cross industry and uh, disruption uh, it's also become very uh, popular words in, in the world in every company. So back to the IoT, so how IoT helped this kind of uh, um, things happen is um, there are lots of uh, small things to put a sensor like I mentioned, put, put a sensor in a car or put a sensor in all the different uh, products and we have another example in Japan say uh, they ha- in Japan, there are so many different, uh, so many uh, vending machines on the streets. So before, they, they, people just buy, and uh, the, the company uh, um, farm, there's no goods in the vending machine. They'll fill, fill up uh, the, the goods in the vending machine. But now they put all the sensors uh, in the vending machine to understand what's the current status of the vending machines. And uh, uh, furthermore, they also put a camera. I heard some of... Uh, uh, company, they would like to install the camera in front of the the vending machine. 
because they want to analyze the customer behavior. So they want to understand uh, the customer is boy or girl and how, how long does it take to make a decision. So I would say this kind of uh, new technology can help lots of uh, business and lots of company have different thought and different business process and different business models. So I would say uh, IoT can help uh, the company uh, to, to jump into a different world in the future. Thank you very much. You. Very interesting, Matt Chan. Uh, let's move around the table to Gaurav Goel at, at, at Deloitte Southeast Asia. Gaurav, thoughts on what Matt just shared with us? Agree or disagree? You can go either way. I agree. I, I completely agree with what, what Matt, Matt said uh, just something back about, uh, about the lines are getting blurred between the industries. And I would give you some additional examples to uh, substantiate what mm-hmm. my point of view on that is um, so banks are moving uh, banks and telcos if you see uh, telcos have already have a large customer base they know exactly where their customers are not uh, when we, when i was in my mba i learned the thing there which was called cash is the king but i think in the new digital economy data is the king and mm-hmm. whoever has the data yeah. uh, the industry belongs to them and it doesn't matter what industry they are in the industry lines are getting blurred so tel- for telcos they want to move into financial services because they have the data, they have the location of the customers, they can sell more personalized products to the customers. And that's why that's where I completely agree with Matt that uh, industry lines are getting completely blurred at this point in, uh, point in time. Um, and that's where I think the world is, uh, the business uh, landscape is becoming very, very interesting where uh, there is a disruption for certain industries uh, where they are seeing the threat of being disrupted while the other industries are actually seeing opportunities for growth. Thank you. And, and Gaurav, while you were speaking, I just quickly Googled uh, cash is king, data is king, and I found an article on CNN.com from November 2017, not that long ago. The title is Big Data is the New Cash, and Remember Cash is King. So they've linked those together very nicely, as you did. Thank you. Let's find out what Ash Pujari has to say about this topic. Go ahead, Ash. Bonnie, I, I guess you should have given me a heads up because uh, I, I, I alluded to this blurring of industry lines right at, at my opening itself. Mm-hmm. I, I did talk about the fact how retailers and consumers companies and how manufacturers and logistics companies are kind of stretching their boundaries in order to differentiate. But again, um, you know, I, um, I completely agree with uh, both Matt and Gaurav about the fact that uh, it's not about survival. It's about um, growth. It's about, uh, you know, satisfying the consumer of today. Today's consumer is looking at personalization. They are looking at uh, speed uh, of delivery, right? And that's what is driving different companies in a different way. I'll tell you, um, I was uh, at a, uh, a customer panel um, you know, a couple of months ago. And I was intrigued with this company in uh, Latin America. It's a Brazilian company called Stara, uh, which is into mining. Uh, no, no, it's into farming. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually um, do their land, seeds, and all kinds of assets that they have in order to improve the uh, farming there. They decided um, to make their own agricultural computers and sensors. And that was way back. Um, you know, and in 2015 they launched a telemetry system. So basically, they started vertically integrating um, their entire uh, approach to farming 
mainly from a technology standpoint, and that was the differentiator. And today, um, rather than calling themselves a farming uh, company, they are or an agri company. They are a technology company. Honestly, they they manage technology to drive outcomes. Uh, similarly, if you look at Volvo, right? Um, Volvo is um, you know again moving into autonomous vehicles, and who isn't? Every big brand is. But again, they are, um, you know, they basically are uh, creating a way um, or content, uh, a digital content for the consumers, uh, for the drivers to consume content while being on the road. So autonomous uh, uh, vehicles on one side, and then they get into this whole digital content of movies, of music, etc., in order to keep the consumer um, to the brand. Um, they also, uh, again, what they have done to stretch the whole thing is they are saying, forget about uh, motor insurance, we take care of that. We will uh, have our own insurance to cover you. Just look at this. I mean, they are, um, everyone is kind of blurring these lines and uh, saying, you know, what can I do to keep the consumer? And I guess that's the key driver to blurring of industry lines. Thank you very much. While you were speaking, you're not surprised, Ash. I looked it up, and Stara is S-T-A-R-A. If anybody wants to see some interesting photos and maps online, uh, it is. I just have a note here. It says Stara manufactures farming machines and equipment in Brazil. Do I have the right one? Ash, yes. the right company? Yeah. Uh, and then here's a quote from the Director of Research and Development, R&D. He says, the Internet of Things revolutionized our business models. Previously, we viewed machines and farmers as separate entities. Now we can connect machines. Thank you for that reference. I love it when you name drop the three of you. Nice to have some companies to look at and some information. So we appreciate case studies. I'm going to let Matt wrap this one up. Matt, anything you want to add or or subtract or challenge on what your co-panelists shared on your topic? Because I'm ready to move on. But go ahead, Matt. No, I think uh, all of us, uh, we are in the same page, right? So I think um, this will be the change, uh, uh, the train and... Uh, I think um, we would like to use uh, the new IoT to help the, the company to move the next step. Thank you very much. And Gaurav Goel at Deloitte Southeast Asia, I have something interesting here in your notes. I'm going to read a little bit, and then I'd love for you to expand it, Gaurav. Uh, first of all, you say Asia has 30% of the world's land. I don't know how many people knew that, but I think it's very important. You say Asia can now allow remote monitoring through IoT of offshores, seashores, offsite locations, and open up new avenues for energy production. That's one thing. And then I'd also like you to link that to another topic in your list, Gaurav. You say Asia is being becoming the epicenter of upcoming mega cities in the world, and IoT, Internet of Things, is driving this. So talk to me, Guarov, some interesting points of view here. Go ahead. Absolutely. I'll uh, talk about the first one, which is around uh, Asia has 30% of the world's land and even much more of the coastline uh, that the Asian countries have. Uh, now, what it allows to uh, do is... Uh, uh, with the uh, with the land and the sun that is there, uh, can you can you actually put the sensors in to actually see where the radiations are higher, which are the high heat intensity zones? Previously, if you had to do it manually in the remote areas in Asia, it was virtually impossible. Uh, now, if you go onto the seashores, uh, the coastlines, uh, 
it's a vast coastline and you, uh, there's new alternative ways of mining energy, uh, the tidal energy and everything. So if you can put sensors below the seabed to understand where those zones of high energy intensity are there, how, they are, how the waves are reacting over a period of time and you can collect the data, this will open up the new, new uh, avenues for energy, uh, which is much cleaner, which is much better. Uh, and that's where uh, that's where I think IoT will revolutionize um, the energy, uh, new alternative energy space. And I think Asia is at the forefront. In Singapore, uh, there are multiple institutes, uh, the government institutes, who are already doing that. Uh, so what they have, uh, I would name um, one of the companies called ERIAN, Arian, who actually mm-hmm. has embedded sensors in the seashores. Uh, they are collecting the data. They have created a platform as well. Uh, a common platform to collect the data, to ingest it, to understand it, and then they can tell at what time, at which area, the energy, tidal energy could be effectively generated. So just to give you an example. So this is how I think uh, in Asia, the resource, the land resources, the water resources uh, can be effectively, effectively monitored, uh, measured for these new energy sources. On the second point, uh, on the smart, on the mega city point, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Asia has, uh, uh, if it has 30% land, it has more than half of the pop- world's population. And uh, Asian economies are mostly uh, developing, except the four Asian tigers. So the mega cities are coming up. Uh, the people have been there. The mega cities have uh, have come up, but the infrastructure unfortunately has hasn't kept pace in most of the developing uh, of these mega cities. So. Uh, because it was so cost, uh, and these countries are not so rich as well, and uh, they are cash strapped. So IoT, uh, the sensors, can actually provide an effective way to actually capture data at a very low cost, uh, low cost basis to actually allow for better urban planning, better traffic management, and that's where I think the Asian cities can leapfrog and provide world class infrastructure. So that's why I think IoT would be a very important enabling technology. Uh, for Asian cities uh, in terms of smart cities and energy management. Thank you, Gaurav. Very interesting. I learned a lot from listening to you, and let's see what Ash Pujari is sitting next to you around the table. Ash, comments, agree or disagree? What do you think? Uh, agree about Asia becoming the home of the new megacities and IoT's role? Go ahead. Um, I completely, completely agree with Gaurav. Gaurav, uh, you know, uh, you did give me some statistics a while you were talking, but essentially what I see around, right, based on our interactions, be it uh, India, be it Indonesia, be it um, uh, talking to Japan, they're talking in Korea, talking in Australia, everywhere it's the same. The government now is in tune with innovation. And when the government does that, it's basically, uh, it's, it's a completely different scale altogether. I mean, if you if you look at uh, how the whole uh, Indonesian government, which honestly, uh, you know, if you really look at history, they have always been laggards. They haven't really, um, you know, been at the forefront of technology. They are looking at completely changing their port systems. They are looking at technology-enabled uh, port systems. They are one of the largest, uh, uh, you know, suppliers of, um, the, uh, you know, uh, fish, prawns, etc., out from the ocean, and they are setting up an entire tracking mechanism through IoT to ensure that they are collecting uh, the right uh, the, the right fish the, through the most ethical manner, 
tracking it all the way to be FDA certified to supply to the Western markets. And they have set up an entire infrastructure around that. Um, so I, I am in a complete agreement that, um, uh, you know, because of this whole uh, smart city, uh, city initiative, as well as the entire, uh, you know, these manufacturing companies, the logistics companies, the mining companies, the resources companies, all of them in tune, uh, we, are, uh, uh, we are absolutely seeing a complete change uh, in our uh, thinking and our goals to get to the point faster than anybody else. Thank you very much. Let me circle around to Matt Chan. Matt, love to have your comments on what we just started with Gaurav and or what Ash just commented. Go ahead. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. Uh, and um, I, I also uh, quick check um, in Asia, the population uh, in Asia is like um, 4.5 billion, which is uh, 60% of the world population. Right. So I would say this is a huge demand, um, customer demand in Asia. And uh, if you look at the GDP in Asia, they still remain strong. Every year it's like 5 to 8%, which means the mid-class of people, um, they would like to have a better life, have a better food, better car, better apartment and house. And this will trigger whole industry and whole supply chain. Like if you want to have a better food, and the CPG industry, retail industry, uh, agriculture industry is coming up. And uh, the car will trigger automotive, the, the oil and gas, and uh, the house will trigger the new mining construction. So I would say these kind of uh, uh, demand will trigger all the different industries here. And in that hand is once this demand comes uh, increased faster, then how to achieve or how to fulfill and how to use the uh, IoT and new technology to fasten all the um, industry and uh, more effective uh, it will be the very interesting topic. So I would say um, the, to leverage IoT and leverage all the new technology in this industry will become a huge um, impact. Okay, so I would say this is the uh, huge demand in Asia, and uh, we have we need to have a huge supply, and how to improve the supply uh, from those uh, different industry. Uh, that would be a very interesting topic, and uh, really need more uh, new things to help. Thank you. Thank. Thank you very much. Guess what? We are at the point in the show where I have to quickly move us into the crystal ball predictions round. So, Ash Pajari, since I didn't get to any of the statements in your list, but I know you had so much to add to the conversation around the table, and especially when you opened with your interesting quote at the top of the show, I'm going to start the roundtable on the predictions with you, Ash. So I'm going to give you 90 seconds, a little more than I'll probably be able to give the others. 90 seconds. Look into the crystal ball, sir, and tell me me what you think will come down the pike, as we say here in the United States, uh, let's say between now and 2025 in terms of IoT success in Asia, the mega cities, and Asia actually being able to soar. So 90 seconds, use them well. Ash Pajari, go. Well, let's be honest, uh, Bonnie. Uh, collection of data always existed, right? We, uh, we have uh, always collected RFID data, NFC data, etc., etc. Uh, but um, uh, you know, I, I've come across um, uh, uh, recently a very nice quote, which basically says innovation is 
not necessarily about new things. It's about new value. And Asia mm-hmm. is trying to leapfrog the rest of the world based on this particular fundamental. It's about collecting the data. It's about create. It's not just about collecting the data. It's about really driving value. So when we are talking about uh, looking into the crystal ball, Bonnie, I see Asia using this particular data to uh, to a huge advantage in order to drive both in terms of. Um, uh, you know, healthcare in terms of um, uh, real business benefits, in terms of uh, satisfying consumer demand, looking at managing scarce resources and scarce um, uh, uh, utilization of their of the machines of their manufacturing, soaring ahead of the rest of the world simply by a mindset that we are talking about of innovation. So that's my prediction, basically saying that. Asia has understood how to unlock the value out of the data collection that we have been doing for years. Thank you very much. I have 60 seconds to give to, uh, just barely 60 seconds. Matt Chan, let's do a quick prediction from you, and then Gaurav, you're lined up, ready to go. Go ahead, Matt. Okay. Um, For me, I would say uh, my prediction in the future is that um, uh, in Asia, um, I would say, like, industry for zero, again, is the 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 strongest one and uh, you will see if you look at lots of uh, factories right now they are keen to uh, build the smart factories but in the other hand is how to bring the real business value is not only collect the data because the data is is only it doesn't mean anything right so the data need to combine with the business contact to become to the meaningful information and then use the machine learning or the the AI to drive into the knowledge to help the business. So, because um, this kind of uh, uh, demand in Asia is so huge, lots of huge factories here. So I would say this kind of uh, 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 applications and uh, this kind of uh, demands will uh, fully adapt in Asia in the future. Thank you very much, Gaurav. I've just got barely 60 seconds. Go ahead, they're all yours. Sure, I'll be very fast. Uh, 2025, uh, for me, is, uh, is will be, uh, the IoT case will be driven by the private sector, which is more on the manufacturing side to save the cost. And I think that's where the game changes would be. Uh, on the smart city side, if the government takes the initiative and governments are taking the initiative, I think that's where we can see some progress to be made by 2025, uh, because I think it's a long process. So you have to collect data over, over a period of time. Uh, to make sense out of it uh, and to make the real value, as my other panelists said. So I think these are the two bets I would take on the IoT in Asia by 2025. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Can't thank the three of you enough. Matt Chan at SAP, Gaurav Goel at Deloitte, Southeast Asia, Ash Pujari, SAP. And a shout out, of course, to Gulab Singh at SAP who helped put this all together. I've got 30 seconds to wrap up. And a thank you to our engineer in Phoenix, Arizona, A-Rod. That's all he'll tell me his name is. And a thank you to Ryan Treasure at World Talk Radio for helping us find a great time slot so I can be in the evening and our Asia Pacific panelists can be in the morning. Gentlemen, you've been terrific. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Does it have IoT sensors in it? What is it telling? Did you have too much dessert and you can't fit the seatbelt on? Oh, I'm talking about myself. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Matt Chan, just like Warav Goel, and just like Ash Pujari. Bonnie G. Graham signing off. Talk to you tomorrow. 
10 a.m. Eastern on our series on consumer industries on the Business Channel. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Asia Soaring with APJ Game Changers. Best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.